Matthew chapter 9 and verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes like little dens and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But the person said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Verse 60, Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Verse 61, and another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go and bid farewell to, to those that are at my house. In other words, his family. And Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And a lot of the times we hear little statements like this and it's like, man, that's but really intense, Jesus. You know, something that I find interesting a lot is people say to me, you know, you're pretty intense. And uh, I, I find that really interesting because Jesus was really intense. Jesus wasn't crucified because he said nice, cute little cliche quotes. He was crucified because people didn't like the extreme truth that he delivered. And Jesus is literally telling people here, yeah, you know what? You, let, let everyone else go and take care of the funeral. You need to come and be with me. Let's go do this thing. And to this other person, he's like, you know, I know you want to go say goodbye to your family, but if you want to jump on this, you can't turn around and go take care of something else. Jesus was hyper-focused about his father's business, and he expected those that followed his disciples to step into that same level of focus and commitment. You know, one of the things that my wife and I have always said, and we actually heard it originally from um, Brother David Hogan, who's become like a spiritual dad to us, like an apostolic father. And uh, I just really value him, and I just honor him so much as a, as a, as a really authentic man of God that, that's really walking the real deal out. There's a lot of people that have so much cotton candy and so much plastic and, and flashing lights, but he's just the real deal. And I just want to honor him right now because I believe in honor, and I believe in valuing those that have poured into us. But he told us once, he said, you know, those that have options will never be committed. Those that have options will never be committed. But those that are committed will never have options. And I just love that because it made so much sense to me. There's so many people in the world today that are looking for all the options and the, the get out of jail thing or the quick excuse to try and abandon this or go over there and do this. But Jesus was so committed that there was no other narrative. And I would pray that we all would become so committed to finding what God has for us and walking that faithfully and not drifting into the distance or losing or becoming lukewarm. One minute we're hot, next minute we're cold, then we're lukewarm. No, where we stay consistent, and I've talked about consistency this year, but we stay consistent to the things that God has for us. That's why Jesus then went on to say, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. Now, what I learned this last year is that actually it takes, in order to operate a plow, you've got to look straight ahead so that you keep the line right. But if you look around, your body starts to move and the plow starts operating in a way that takes you off course. Isn't that amazing? So instead of, instead of working in unison and rank and in order, there starts to become chaos and people breaking away. And so Jesus is saying like this thing takes focus and it takes, it takes dedication and commitment. And, and I just really would encourage us guys that this is the language of Jesus. This is not control. 
there's languages around control. This is not control. This is Jesus saying, if you want a part of this, this looks like dedication and commitment where you're all in, not partially in, not trying to find out how little you can commit, not trying to find out, you know, how little you can actually be, you know, invested or have skin in the game just so that everything looks okay. It looks like someone going all in. Okay, so I just wanted to read that as a, as a prerequisite of, or, or as a foundational story to build upon where we're going. So let's go to Luke chapter 10 now, verse 1. And I love this because you see something here in a dynamic of Jesus that's actually really special. He said, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others. So not just the 12, there were 70 others. And he sent them out two by two, so in, in pairs, uh, before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So 35 pairs of two were getting out. They were going ahead and preparing for cities that Jesus himself was heading to. And then he said to them, the harvest is truly great. Now, can you imagine this? Jesus is at ground zero of the new covenant. He is not yet at the cross, but he is now seeding the people that would propagate the gospel that would change everything. Jesus is now the literal embodiment of John chapter 3 verse 16. He is now the only son of the Father pouring out into all that would believe and, and empowering them to spread this message so that whosoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus is at this ground zero moment and he's saying, He's, you've got to realize that Jesus is looking through the Spirit of God. He's not just seeing the covenant that God has with the Jews. He's not just seeing Jerusalem and Israel. He is seeing China. He is seeing Europe. He is seeing Africa. He is seeing all of the rest of Asia. He's seeing Micronesia, Australasia, South America. He's seeing all like the United States, North America. He's seeing all of the places, you know, Eastern Europe. He's seeing all of the places on the planet where, where the gospel needed to move to and grow in. He's looking through the sands of time. And he looks up, he, look, he, this is what he says. Then he said to them, verse 2, the harvest is truly great. Billions of souls are on the line. That's what he's saying. The harvest is great. Now, I've been, you know, my wife and I just recently acquired some land and we've been planting some, some really cool plants and, and, and berries and fruit trees and different things. And, you know, the thing that I find amazing, some vegetables, some herbs, the thing that I find amazing is that you can plant the best crop but if you don't harvest that crop, the crop dies and is useless. You can have all of this potential right in front of you, but if you don't get those herbs and harvest them at the right time, if you don't pick those berries, the birds will get them or the avocados, you know, that they'll fall to the ground and the animals, they'll rot or the animals will get them. You know, and, and so you can lose harvests. The Bible says in Proverbs, it's like, you know, a, a son that sleeps in a harvest time is a curse or is a, basically is a nightmare. Uh, you know, it's, it's like the worst situation is when a son would sleep during a harvest. And so, so, so Jesus here is saying the harvest, he's like, you guys don't even get it yet. This thing's about to go massive. There's this guy called Cornelius. He's going to give an offering to my father. My father's going to shift the thing. He's, he's going to shift um, the, the, the rules, if you could say it like that. 
and the the terms of engagement are going to shift and everyone on this planet's going to be viable for the gospel and so jesus is saying the harvest is truly great but the laborers this is the tragic part of this comment the laborers are few guys if you have been saved if you have the precious blood of jesus come and wash you from all your sins and you are now entitled to an eternity of, of bliss, worshipping and gazing at the throne of God. You are a laborer, whether you like it or not. Whether you just became a, a, a born-again believer 30 seconds ago, or you've been a born-again believer for the last 60 years, you are a laborer. And Jesus is saying the harvest is so immense, but the laborers, those that actually have responsibility, those that aura could put this differently, those that have been given talents are few. Watch this. Pray the Lord of the harvest. I, I, I'm feeling the grief of God on this, guys. I, I, I'm feeling the grief of God on this. And I, I, I would ask you to open your heart on this. Pray, therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest, not ours, his harvest. And, you know, we love talking about, you know, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. You know, we love talking about the Lord, our banner. We love talking about the Lord, our healer, the Lord, our deliverer, the Lord, the all abundant one. We love talking about those things. But what about the Lord of the harvest? See, <laughs> we need to really get this, guys. Jehovah Jireh, he's God for us. Jehovah Harvest, he's God for him. This harvest is his harvest. We need to not just be talking about Jehovah Jireh, although we do need that. I'm not saying get rid of it because they're all God. You can't segment God. You can't dissect a part of God out. And that works in reverse for what we're talking about. You can't just talk about the God of healing, the God of deliverance, the God of provision, the God of abundance. We can't just talk about that and not talk about what Jesus is saying here. The Lord, the God of the harvest. And then he goes on to clarify, it's God's harvest, not ours. Send out laborers. So you please now pray. Jesus is saying, you need to pray. See, this is something that I think sometimes as believers, we can be a little aloof on and we can be disconnected to because it's not a direct thing we need. I think most Christians pray only for what they need, not for what God needs. And you might say, well, it's God's harvest. Hasn't he got this all figured out? That's a great question, and I do hear what you're saying. But I would also then reply to you with a question and say, if that was the case, why did Jesus have to travail in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross? Because clearly, prayer has a much greater significance to heaven on earth than we understand at this present time. And I think it's so important that we understand that Jesus is saying, guys, there are so many souls. There is so much potential. You are now saved. See, there's another scripture. Of, How therefore now can we then neglect such a great salvation? And that sounds like, well, you know, don't be, don't be familiar with it for you. No, it's don't be familiar with it. It's, I'm glad you're saved. But don't be familiar with the power that's been put inside of you. The light and the hope of eternity 
for every single person that you will ever meet and contact and come into, come into connection with of any kind. Jesus is literally, you can hear the cry coming out of his spirit. He understands that the 70 don't even get it yet. He realizes they don't know the weight of it yet. He understands, though, that he's sowing an idea into them that would make a lot more sense in a little bit. And he says, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Come on, don't ever let God think that you're not a laborer. Please, guys. We need to be not ones with options. We need to be ones with dedication. We need to be ones that are committed. We need to, like we were talking about in the offering, we need to be those that really look at what matters to God's heart, not just what we need. This is all tying in. I didn't plan it to look like that, but this is all tying in. Okay. So then pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way and, and, and I send you out as lambs among wolves. You don't need to look as sophisticated as everyone else because the gospel, the gospel is actually very vulnerable. The gospel is vulnerable. It is up for review to everyone that hears it and many, unfortunately, will, will not receive it. The Bible says very clearly that broad is the road that leads to destruction and narrow is the road that leads to eternal life and few there be that find it. How can we therefore then neglect such a great salvation guys bank tellers people in the grocery stores i'm going to keep talking about this for the rest of my life we need to pray to the lord of the harvest but but guys let's not be and please hear my heart when i say this because i love this nation but please let's not be americans let's be sons and daughters of heaven let's not be americans that will happily send a dollar a day to sponsor some kid that we never have to meet in africa Let's not be Christians that pray to the Lord of the harvest for someone else to preach the gospel. Let's pray that God raises us up personally first as those that would go and preach to our neighbors, those that would care for those at the grocery store. There, there, there is a lady uh, in an area, and I'm not going to talk about it because I need to keep this very discreet, but there's a lady that works at a checkout. She is in a very dark place spiritually. She's very, very bound by the enemy. And she knows, I've not said anything, but she knows, she can see the presence of God on me because of what she practices. And you know what I'm doing? I'm trying to become her friend. She's not my enemy. The demons around her are my enemy. And I'm going to show her love because you can't fight love. Until she's an older lady, she's lived a very hard life and she's given into some pretty dark practices. And I'm going to show her love until she sees me as her friend. And I'm gonna tell you right now, we're gonna get that soul. We need to start looking like, well, you know, hearing words like acquisitions and recompense, how about we take that into the gospel? How about we start acquiring souls out of darkness? And how about we start getting recompense? You know, there, there, there have, not many people have heard the entirety of my life story, but if you hear the whole story, it's actually pretty traumatic. It's major events. There's about eight or nine major events where most people probably have one or two in their whole lifetime. And I had, I've had a lot, but, you know, there came a point in my life where I woke up to the devastation of what the enemy had done. I stopped, real, I stopped thinking that God had just let me get beat up in life. And I started realizing the devil had tried to destroy me. And I remember coming to this place in my, in my apartment studio, and I said, Devil, for everything that you've ever tried to do to me, for everything that you've ever tried to do to stop me, to disconnect me from God, 
and to try and destroy my life. I'm going to spend every day of my life, every breath that I have, tearing your kingdom down by seeing souls saved, preaching the gospel, and raising up sons and daughters in the kingdom. And we need to get this ownership tenacity where we step and engage. You, can, you have to get the ownership of Jesus' heart. This task is insurmountable, and we don't have a big workforce. That's what he's saying. This task is so overwhelming, and we only have a few workers. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers. But first, I need you to be a laborer. That's what Jesus is saying. You can't pray for someone else to be a laborer, so you don't have to be. You have to be the laborer first, and then step in and put skin in the game. Come on, let's keep reading. Go, go your way. I send you as, as, as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, uh, knapsack, or sandals, and, and greet no one along the road. Now, this was very specific instructions for this time, and there, there is a lot of good stuff here that we can take. And, we, and I could preach off, but I'm not going to do that for the sake of time because I've almost come to an end. So, so come down with me to verse 17, please. Um, like I said, it's a very short message today, but it's a poignant, potent one, and we need to hear this. And we need to hear this over and over again until the seed drops into our spirit and we become possessed by what matters to God. When we become so obsessed with the things that beat in his heart, we can't have romantic statements anymore on stages and big conferences that say, God, send us, we'll go, and then we go back to our lives and nothing changes. We have to shift over where we are truly intimate with God, where we start grieving over the souls that aren't connected to him, that are lost and are concurrently condemned to a lost eternity. So let's go to uh, verse 17. So the, so the 70 go out in twos, there's 35 pairs. And so some time passes, it says, then the 70 returned with joy. That's a good thing. It's good when you can do... See, there's nothing worse than a Christian that's miserable trying to do what they're supposed to do. We have to do everything in the, in the, the joy of the Lord being our fuel, our strength. Saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Isn't it interesting how in the modern world of quote-unquote Christianity, we're so obsessed by a lot of things that don't seem to impress God. We get so fascinated by words of knowledge, words of wisdom, you know, casting out demons. And I'm for all of that stuff. That is a part of who we are. We cast out demons. We speak in tongues. We prophesy. We deliver words of knowledge. But they are byproducts. They are not the identity. So these guys come back. They're so excited about these, these toys that they've got, these, these, these giftings they have. And he says, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, Jesus... I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He's defeated. Verse 19. Behold, I will give you the authority to trample serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. He's now prophesying. No, I'm not going to go that, I'm not going to go that route. Um, over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Okay. Now verse 20. Nevertheless, so what he's saying is, so let's come back around. That's great that you've got power. That's great that you've got authority. I'm giving you that stuff. That's part of the toolkit. But let's come back to the thing that matters. And he says in verse 20, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Don't make this the billboard declaration of your life. Do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice 
that your names are written in heaven. This is what matters. And Jesus is giving us a dead giveaway that what matters. I'm all for the power of God. I'm not in any way belittling it. We want the power of God. The Bible says that the demonstration and the power of God, signs and wonders, follow the preaching of the word. It's all interconnected. The word and the spirit are one. However, if we make that our ministry focal point, we come off the course that Jesus was asking for us to be on. And the course that he was asking for us to be on was go after souls because what matters is your name written in heaven and all these other power gifts, they're all tools to help you get others there. And that's what matters. He's saying, go after the things that matter, which is names written in heaven. Amen. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. So let's carry on. Verse 21. In that hour, so in that, in that moment, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise. It's not the sophisticated formulas. It's, the, it's people like you and I that are, that are prepared to say, hey, look, you know, I'm just a simple person and I don't know much about everything. I'm not here to tell you that I've studied in school all the theological discourses for the last 12 years and now I'm finally ready to do the gospel. Jesus is saying these things have been hidden from the wise. The basic, fundamental, elementary, but poignant value systems of heaven and the prudent and revealed to them to to, to uh, revealed them to these babes even so father for it so seemed good in your sight see god's more interested in looking for someone that has a pure and a willing heart rather than someone that has a really powerful voice and has learned how to master you know all these different gifts sometimes it just looks great like hey i got saved two weeks ago I don't know a whole bunch about everything, but I'll tell you this, that Jesus touched my life and I am radically transformed and something in me has shifted. I used to not be able to sleep and now I have peace. I've just been filled with joy. I used to have torment. I used to feel like dark evil on me and I didn't even realize it was dark evil, but it all broke off and I'm free. See, that's the power of the gospel. It's not us trying to prove who's the greatest in the kingdom with the greatest theology and you know revelation and how many times we've been to heaven that that stuff's all beautiful but if that becomes our knowledge value identity system we have completely lost course of the purity and the simplicity of the gospel it's it's simply sharing jesus with as many people as we can all things have been delivered to me by my father and no one knows who the son is except the father and who the father is except the son and and the one whom the son wills to reveal to him then he turned to his disciples and said privately blessed are the eyes which see these things you see for i tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it and to hear what you hear and not heard it jesus was literally the outworking of thousands of years of hope of a coming promise and now that promise has been delivered the blood covenant was paid in full and now jesus is saying pray to the lord of the harvest guys we are in the middle of a harvest i believe orange county has somewhere between three and four million people california has 39 39 million people the united states has 300 and something million people somewhere between 350 and 400 i think i don't know the exact number it doesn't matter the world has seven billion people how many people can we pluck from darkness? How many people can we pluck from the flames and introduce them to Jesus? 
This is the greatest expression love language to God because he is the Lord of the harvest and he is looking for sons and daughters to be redeemed. And for that, he's looking for his harvest to be filled by obedient sons that already have been redeemed. So I really pray that this is gripping you right now. I pray that during this time that we don't social distance so much that we social distance away from the gospel, that we social distance away from preaching the gospel and sharing the hope of, of, of the kingdom to everyone that we would hear. Guys, if people reject you, if people laugh at you, you know, I've had people laughing at me, I've had people inboxing me from my school years that just think I'm a joke because I preach Jesus. I've had people trying to do all kinds of crazy stuff. Even just this last week, someone tried to send me pornography into my, into my inbox and I just deleted it right away. They're trying to make a mockery. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is that, that our lives are a conviction and a testimony and an expression of love, inviting as many who would believe. Remember John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whosoever, it doesn't say all, it says whosoever. So we are going to be rejected. That's okay. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. But we can't sit back wounded by our rejection saying, I don't know if I'm called to do that. We need to press through that. If Jesus was rejected for me, if he was left abandoned for me, then I owe him everything of that in my life. I will be, I'm prepared to be rejected and abandoned by people because I owe him everything. And if that means that I get one soul saved from now to when I die, I'll gladly do it. But I pray that we each can get many, many souls and we've each got different ways to do it. And we just need, if you're like, man, this is just really, this is the one thing that always makes me nervous. Yeah, that's because the devil's nervous of you actually standing up and doing something. And he's trying to intimidate you. And if you don't know how to do it, just say, Holy Spirit, you're my teacher. You're my counselor. You're my guide. You're the one that's going to guide me into all truth. Would you show me how I can do this? Can you show me how I can reach that person? Spend all the time praying for people. Remember, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Spend it every day praying, God, who? How can I get that person saved? God, the people, show me the people that you have called for me to preach to and give me keys to their hearts where they would know it's you talking and not just me. So I'd look, I really just want to encourage you guys. I just feel a very, very strong grip from heaven. I felt it before even we heard any of this news. We have to realize that eternity is real. Like just less than an hour ago, an hour and a half ago, someone crossed over from life into eternity. And, and these moments we need to pay attention to and wake up because this life will not go on forever. And we have to come to a place where we embrace that and say, you know what? I'm not going to be here forever. I best be busy about my father's business. Jesus said that to his parents when he was 12 years old. So guys, I, I love you. I pray this is convicting someone. Let's pray together real quick, okay? Let's pray. Father, Jesus... Holy Spirit, we just invite you to change our hearts. I ask that you would grip us with this issue that grips yours. This all-encompassing reason that Jesus came was to seek and save that which was lost. And I pray, God, right now that you would give us such a burden for, for the harvest that we would see how overwhelming and great it is but yet walk in grace and walk in, walk in your presence and your peace, that we would just really pray to you that you would make us great harvesters, 
that you would make us great harvesters and at the same time we ask for more harvesters to be sent to wherever is needed god send them to orange county we need harvesters we need harvesters we don't need influencers god we need harvesters so in the name of jesus i just pray that there would be a shifting and a and a and a healing and a breaking and a leading and a molding and an imparting god around this whole this whole identity and task that what we do for you is part of who we are in jesus name we love you god and i thank you for today i pray that this would mark us and it would be like a a searing brand that goes into our hearts today we love you jesus amen